Recorded live. And in person. Anyway, welcome to the first ever episode of Red Tornado Died for Our Sins. Uh, this is a podcast where uh, three, I guess we're semi-comic book geeks, are re- re-watching the Justice League animated series and then talking about it because that's all the rage on pa- podcasts these days. Uh, I am your one-third of your hosts. My name is CT. Uh, some of you may know me from HockeyNight.com. Um, others of you may know me from Twitter, where I am at HockeyNightCT, and nobody else knows who I am. So let's um, throw to my other hosts here. Um, we'll start with uh, Walter. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm John Walter. Um, you may know me from my other uh, numerous podcasts. Uh, I am uh, on a Hard Grey's Night, a Grey's Anatomy podcast my wife dragged me on, and I don't know why I named that first because it's my least favorite of my podcast, but I'm also on A Match Made in Space, which is an 80s movie podcast because my wife and I were between the ages of 3 and 13 in the 80s, so that's really our childhood. And yeah, it's basically another podcast where I want something and talk about it. And also, I have a weird, tenuous connection with Justice League stuff because I've seen a lot of it, but not in order and not, you know, <laughs> at one time. So it's going to be kind of fun for me because I know I've got a lot of gaps in my viewing history. So actually watching them in order will be a hoot for me. Nice. Uh, uh, our, yep, go ahead. Uh, I'm Kyle. Uh, you probably don't remember me from the short-lived Stark Kyle Orton podcast back in the day. I used to discuss the Uh Well, I mean, you don't count for anything. Um, <laughs> nope. And then... And then once the Bears became even more depressing than they had been for most of my life, I mostly tweet about Batman, which is kind of how I wound up here. So, Also, I was the only one who was actually of the appropriate age when these cartoons were airing the first time through, unlike you pederasts. So, <laughs> so this is definitely... Yeah, so I'm, I'm far more qualified to discuss this series from, I guess, the nostalgia aspect. So... Probably. Although I have to say kind of the genesis of this was I was, the three of us used to hang out in, in you know, what's colloquially known as a shout box, which is where people who don't want to do work during the workday go to talk about other things. And uh, I was shocked and appalled. I don't, neither of you had watched this on its first run, anywhere near its first run, right? No, nope. I had watched, I had watched Justice League, the first two seasons in its original run. Okay. You had talked about Justice League Unlimited, um, and I have never, I had never actually watched that part of it. Once it had, they expanded the roster, I had kind of checked out, because I want to say I was probably like 13 or 14 by the time they did that, and I was in the phase where I had to pretend that I didn't like comic books, so I stopped watching Superman cartoons. It was a dark chapter. So. Yeah, I I have to say, I, I the DC animated universe. I, I I watched the original Batman animated series as it was coming out. You know, because I mean everyone watched Batman yeah. around that time. Uh, we were in the, in the height of Batmania, but then I kind of like fell away from it. One because I, I got really big into drinking, and <laughs> you know, so I never really watched a lot of. I didn't watch a lot of the uh, DC animated universe until after the fact. And also, I kind of grew up a Marvel zombie, so I, I DC was always sort of this like weird other country to me until a lot later in life when I went back and caught up with it. You know, like the non-Batman DC, I probably didn't read until about 10 years ago whenever I kind of went backwards in 
Yeah, I mean, I, I I think I probably came into it sooner because it, it kind of its release sort of coincided with my move to the suburbs. So I was not I was not going out in the city every night. Um, and for like like both of you, I think I watched the original um, the Batman animated series run. I did not watch any of the Superman animated series. Kyle, I know you were telling us beforehand that. Or telling me yeah. beforehand, you are watching that now, but hadn't seen it before. John, did you see any? Did you watch any of the Superman series? I've only seen a couple of episodes of that um, because it, it all—it seems like every time I'm looking for it, it's never available on any streaming services. So I've usually had to like watch like crappy gray market versions of it floating on YouTube that are never consecutive. As of yeah. this summer, I—I I don't know if I mean it, it should still be. Last time I looked. If you have Amazon Prime, you have Superman oh. the animated series free right. and streaming. I keep forgetting I have Amazon Prime because I I know you know like it's like I'm my like, oh, yeah, I have that my wife and I that my wife and I literally had Amazon Prime for like three years and I didn't know it because she kept insisting that she had it because she had Amazon Student and I was like yeah that's something different and I never bothered to actually check and it turned out that the whole time Amazon Student is Amazon Prime so I could have been streaming things for years but once I once I realized that meant every episode of Batman and Superman, the animated series, uh, I was pretty down with that. And Superman, the animated series, I don't know how I missed it at the time because I went pretty much straight through from Batman to, or Batman, the animated series to Batman beyond to justice league all through their first run without missing a beat. But I had missed Superman, the animated series. And I went back and watched it this summer and I'm really glad I did because that, that is really the underrated gem of the entire DCAU, um, also, I mean, I want a couple to... of things I'm just going to throw out here. Malcolm McDowell voices Metallo, and that is as awesome as you think. Um, Did you say and... Malcolm McDowell? 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 <laughs> Malcolm McDowell? McDowell? Malcolm McDowell? McDowell. Yes. McDowell, you know, the guy with the really great evil... I know he is. Yeah, yeah. that guy. You know, of Caligula, Alex Malcolm Delar. I, yeah, Alex... I, I bet he was really impressive opposite of Tim Daly. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, uh, you'll have to make adjustments for the Iowa accent throughout this podcast. I'm sorry. Uh, and uh, also, um, Brad Garrett voices Lobo in a two-parter, and that is also <laughs> as wonderful as you expect. So if we get through Justice well, League, I know, I know I'm voting for Superman the Animated Series as we continue this, so... And and actually, they brought him. They brought Garrett back to play Lobo too in the the Justice League Unlimited. And that that's kind of one of the things about this series is the the voices they went out and got just for like bit players is just incredible. Like yeah, there's I was, way late way late in the series. There's a couple of instances where uh, where they go to um, <laughs> where Vermin Vunderbar shows up. Which oh my god! You know, for those I'm those who don't excited. know. He, so Vernon Vunderbar, I mean, you guys know, but he, he's basically, his voice would, he's a kind of a Prussian aristocrat type, right? You know, so all you need is a comical German accent to, to for 15 lines. And they went out and they got Artie Johnson. I assume oh because God. Warner Klempler was dead. <laughs> <laughs> like like yeah. you're going oh, to that level of detail. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the, the voice acting just throughout the entire DCAU is top notch. I mean, obviously... You can't go anywhere nowadays without a fanboy telling you just how awesome Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill are. Um, And rightfully so, not to take anything away from our group. But, I mean, that really, 
underrates just how excellent everyone is. I, I was just saying, you know, before we started the show, Tim Daly as Superman is just the best. And it took me a while, it threw me for a second when I restarted Secret Origins to hear George Newbern, who's clearly doing a Tim Daly impression. Um, and he had, he does a great job. But, yeah, I mean, Tim Daly and Dana Delaney as Lois Lane just, yeah, from top to bottom, the well, there's not a single part of the production values of these shows that isn't great, but, you know, the voice acting, as always, they spared yeah. no expense there. No, and I, I, I'm, I'm looking right now just through the list, and it's just hilarious just how – uh, like they did one episode with where they had Hawk and Dove on, and they had Fred Savage and Jason Hervey play Hawk and Dove. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, and Dennis Dennis Farina as Wildcat is also a personal favorite of mine. Yeah, um, yeah. That is, I don't know that you could. Well, actually, I was watching Arrow, um, and a couple seasons ago, and they had Wildcat and. Because it's the CW and because this is what they do, they made Wildcat a, a sexy 25-year-old man, which is just so wrong. Uh, and misses, it misses the point of Wildcat. And I literally was tweeting, I think it was actually you who, Rick, because I was literally tweeting my anger about this. I'm like, they should have just had Dennis Farina fucking do it. And well, this, I think it was well, you, you who tweeted at me. People who watch the CW think 25-year-olds are grizzled and old. So, you know. Yeah. So, so I will say, I will say, the only other casting choice for Wildcat that I might go with is the way that uh, Batman, the Brave and the Bold used uh, Lee Ermey for Wildcat, which is another uh, hilarious choice. Okay, yeah, that's pretty great. I never watched Batman, the Brave and the Bold. I really should. I've heard it. You should. hilarious and awesome. Yeah. Well, I've heard it's, it's basically just, just awesome. it's basically just Batman 66. Um, it, it's that plus uh, there's a little bit of just extra insanity because it's kind of modernized and the Aquaman is basically Marble Hercules, you know, which makes him a thousand nice. times better as a character. That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, that's pretty great. Okay. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, especially next? when they get to the fourth world, they just start going nuts. I forgot Granny Goodness is portrayed by Ed Asner. Oh, yes. Oh. No. No, I, yes. The, the, um, that is the greatest thing the, I've ever heard, and I cannot wait. Well, Darkseid and, and the Fourth World is basically the entire arc of, of season two and three of Superman the animated series. Ed Asner is Granny Goodness, but also um Oh Michael who is the voice of Dark who is the Dark Side, yeah. Michael Ironside. Yeah. Yes, is the voice of Dark Side oh, and that's his Well and Michael Dorn, you know, I'm a huge Star Trek fan, so immediately I recognize yeah. the voice of Warp. He voices Collieback, so I mean all of the Fourth World stuff is just unbelievable. But yeah, Ed Asner as Granny Goodness is I I die laughing every time. That is brilliant. It is outstanding. So, so Kyle, let, let's talk about the thing that probably pissed you off the most when they put this together, that uh, there was no Aquaman in the Justice League. Uh, is this, are we just going to start off right off the bat with me as the resident Aquaman defender? Because I'll... I'll yes. I'll, I will go up on that cross. Yes, I believe that any incarnation of the... Of, of the true Justice League that doesn't include Aquaman is is, is flawed. Um, but they make it up to me because I love the entire catalyst um, that brings everyone together in this incarnation of the origin story is Martian Manhunter. Uh, we, yeah. So, because yeah. if, there is, if there is one Justice League member I will carry the torch for more than Aquaman, it's it's John Johns. So. Yeah, and, and I mean, for, as... 
as the series went on, they kind of were the entire Aquaman cast was taken away from them basically because, uh, uh, God, what was that show? Um, Smallville. They were gonna they, the they guys were, who did Smallville were writing an Aquaman pilot. That would actually <laughs> that pilot was actually released, and I watched it once, and it really wasn't bad. It probably would have been considerably better than well Smallville. So. Yeah, it got basically it was torpedoed because the year they wrote it was the year UPN folded and they put the two together. Yeah, but, it, uh, it it had potential, I actually think. But Smallville ran for ten years. I was I was yes. that. I was like, this is unbelievable. I couldn't <laughs> and, believe and that. And in ten years, not once did they actually, you know, make him Superman. How, how did nope. you do that for ten? The very years? <laughs> the very last scene of the very last episode, I'm told, he actually he pulls the jacket aside and you see the ass as he flies off and that's as far as they get. But somehow they managed to do they managed to have him form the Justice League and fight Darkseid and Doomsday and everything else without ever just being like, you know what, F it, he's Superman now. So I yeah. just I, I it's mind everything about that show makes my brain get twisted. You know? Like yeah. I don't understand how who I, I'm trying to figure out who is watching it for the entire arc of its run. Like, I understand people watching it the first season or so because, hey, a new Superman show. And then after a while going, hey, I'm willing to just sort of not be Superman. Yeah, I um, drum, I have drum, to give it credit, drum. though. I mean, it it did open, it did pave the way for Arrow, which, flawed as it is, um, opened, you know, led, the door for led Flash, to, yeah. it opened the door for Flash. And that Flash show is, is everything I ever really wanted from a live-action yeah, superhero I, TV show. Yeah. Um, so, I... It, it was all a necessary sacrifice. Uh, people also forget that the CW tried to launch a Birds of Prey TV show. Oh, um, I, about that. I don't forget that. That was that that was really terrible. And for some reason, um, just decided to go with a version of Huntress, who was also part cat and was also Bruce Wayne's daughter. So I did. Was, I did not know that part. Wow. It, it was I, it was a little messed up. I don't know why they couldn't have just made a bird of a birds of prey TV show. I don't know how did, it. Did a claim cat will the director of Petoff direct this? I will say it. It certainly it works in that continuity. That's for sure. So if you if you want to envision it as the kind of the we the don't give a shit about, about the actual comics continuity continuity. Yeah. Oh, and one thing I should add about about what we're doing here is, you know, while I don't intend to make it the focal point, um, part of what kind of got me thinking about the series was just, you know, obviously what DC is doing now with their movie universe, and then sort of watching Batman versus Superman just really made me need some. A ding ding ding! <laughs> how many minutes? Hold on, how many minutes in are we? Someone, I was trying to see how uh, far we could get without. We're about without 25 a, minutes in. Okay, yeah, that's actually longer than I thought we'd get without... I, I thought we would make it all the way until um, discussing the first Batman Superman scene in this episode before I, I started trashing <laughs> no, I, Batman I felt, I felt there had to be a disclaimer, just in case somebody came oh, and was like, why are we spending the entire time ripping the current, you know, DC yeah, I, movie universe? It, it, just, it would do a disservice to the DCAU to spend every episode, to, it, you know, smearing it by even having to compare it to the, the cinematic universe that they've put out. The cinematic murder-verse, I believe, as io9 calls it, and that is really perfect. But, yeah, yeah I mean, I, there are... I, I will say this, though. In, when I was re-watching um, Secret Origins, 
I I realized, and we'll get to it once we get into the first episode, even how much my knowledge of that, you know, like how much the my knowledge of the current murderverse sort of has colored my expectations as I'm watching the show. Because there were a couple of things that simply surprised me that happened, and I was like, wait, no, you're just you're you're looking at it from what you know about DC now as opposed to what was going on then. In yeah, well, and the problem is you have to. The problem is it's not just that the the murder verse, it's that the comics have also, I mean, yeah. there's nothing in the Zack Snyder movies, and, and you know, he, he takes a lot of blame, a lot of it for me, but there is nothing in the movies he's made that wasn't set up for him by 30 years of ever grimmer Superman stories where his yeah. main role is to, you know, walk around with a poop face and be sad, so... It, that's yeah. why, yeah. This, this, I don't want to spend every episode comparing the two right. because this should really be a celebration of how great the the DCAU is. But yeah, yeah. the comparison is always. I mean, I the DCAU when I watch miles different. It's like, like I, the DCAU is what I want DC Comics to be, almost entirely, and what it seems to never want to be. Yeah. Well, and and although they, oh, they did have a line based on the show. That's, yeah, they, I will, okay. yeah, they did have those. those. are the ones I can get out of the library and give to my kids to read. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah, the ones I've seen of that are, are great. Any of the DCAU comics I love. You know, the yeah. ones yeah. I've, well, I've, probably, I've probably read about 20 or so, so issues throughout the years of that, and it, I've loved them all. The, so. the Batman Adventures comic, um, Chris Sims of, of Comics Alliance is very fond of saying this, and he, he's absolutely correct. The Batman Adventures comic was the best Batman comic title of the 90s. The Bat books were a mess, and the Batman Adventures were just, it's, it's, I have, I've all have, well, I have volumes one and two downloaded on my Kindle, and it's just, it's just a perfect distillation of everything Batman, I mean, just like the show, but it's in comics form. There's even a, a fantastic Joker story that's actually one of the most legitimately frightening Joker uh, storylines. Oh, yeah. I know the one where you're talking about, where, where he kidnaps where he, Gordon and has the bat. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you can you can wa- read that comic right there, and you see basically the same Joker you'd later get in Christopher Nolan's movie, and it's right there nine years before in that comic. So, so yeah, it was, it was a brown version of that, too. So, yeah, uh, should we should we dump or dive into the actual secret origin itself? Uh, sure. Yeah, we're, yeah. All right. Does so somebody want to, to go in? do a brief... Uh, I, mean, uh, I, can, I can start us off here if you want. Go for it. Uh, basically, we, we start like with, you know, where, where all good things start, with a shot of Mars and uh, some astronauts uh, looking for water there. And and we start with probably some sort of oblique reference to John Carter of Mars and that one of the astronauts is immediately named Carter. I was going to oh, ask yeah, you know what? I didn't, yeah. I didn't even realize that, but yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, J. Allen Carter. Yeah, and uh, they, and then he, you know, he immediately runs off like within seconds to try to find because he sees a crystal that could be ice that actually looks kind of like the hematite you buy at like a store in the mall, and uh, I guess uh, you know, unlike most humans, he doesn't know what ice looks like, and they, he says it almost looks organic, you know, which is means this astronaut who's studied chemistry, I would assume, doesn't understand that organic is anything made with carbon. So coal looks <laughs> organic. <laughs> you, know, you know, like, I, I don't quite get where, where organic should not impress a chemist. That's all I'm saying. And I would assume anyone going to Mars and collecting rocks probably knows this. 
Also, I, I think we should point out this is the first minute of the series, and we have our first guest star voice because Gary Cole is J. Allen Carter. Oh yeah, that's right. Noted, noted shit, noted Steppenwolf uh, ensemble member Gary Cole. My <laughs> one bit of theater knowledge is he's an ensemble member because I end up going to their shows all the time, and I'm always like, ah, there he is. Yeah, and then he uh, he breaks into to some kind of vault underground. Yeah, after he falls which, down a hole. Yeah, after he falls yeah. down a hole. Yeah, after, well, I mean, I gotta be like, you know, I feel like an actual astronaut would understand that if he came across a tomb that, that or something like that that very clearly was not meant to be opened, uh, he'd probably wait for yeah. further instruction, but I mean, yeah, just open it. Yeah, fuck the scientific <laughs> method, just dive right because in. Because that seems to be I'm out of radio range, thus I gotta open the door. Exactly. And then, I want to point out, uh, well, I mean, after he we he opens the vault, there's a flash of light. We don't know what happens to him, and then it goes to the credits. And I want to say I have always loved the opening credits and the way they're marching oh, yeah. forward together. It's very Darwin Cook, New Frontier. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the exact same thing. And yeah. I, 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 for some reason, I love that they're, uh, they, they, they're CGI credits on a show that's normally hand-drawn. Like, for some reason, like the, the, even though it's not the best CGI animation that makes them look statuesque and kind of gives them this importance that uh, I, I actually really dig. Uh, these credits are, these are great credits. Not quite as good as the Batman animated credits, which I think are probably the gold standard of uh, oh, that's, animated yeah. series credits. Yeah. They give you that whole, like, feeling of, like, you know, and yeah, that, that's the, the badass right stuff walking towards the camera thing always works for me. Yeah, that's true. Well, and I guess I guess Darwin Cook actually got his start before he actually even got into the comics. He was working on the the cartoons, but yeah, you can see the influence right there because as they're walking towards the camera, that's the first thing I think of is New Frontier, which is all oh, you know, yeah. in my mind the perfect Justice League story. So, right, I agree. Even though Aquaman's yep. barely in it. <laughs> even though what? Aquaman's barely oh. in it. <laughs> Batman's actually barely in it too. Um, Really, I mean, that's, that. it's, 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 the best thing about New Frontier is it's all the it, it's all the jobbers are pretty well, much it's, the main people. It's, well, it's yeah, well, it's about the sil. It's really about the Silver Age and the dawn of the Silver Age and what it represented. Yeah. So, I mean, naturally, the focus is going to be on Hal Jordan and Barry Allen. But yeah, and by the way, and Hal Jordan and Barry Allen in those are about ten thousand times more interesting than Hal Jordan and Barry Allen usually are in any comic yes. story. Which is which is why I'm glad that we're getting Wally West and uh, John Stewart. Oh. Wally West uh, is, is the one true Flash, and I'm so glad that the that the Barry Allen from the TV show is basically just Wally West with a with a Barry Allen. Time. Yeah, the the TV Flash is definitely. I was just gonna say that is definitely. Um, it's it's Barry Allen with a very it's the Barry Allen story, which I think is has always been better than the Wally West story, but it's it's the Wally West personality which works better. Um, Barry doesn't I, have a personality. <laughs> It, yeah, it's true. He's, he was a bit of a cipher. Um, and Hal Jordan really only works when he's written by Jeff Johns. So, yeah. um, personally, I would obviously, I would prefer um, Guy Gardner in any in any iteration oh, yeah. of the Justice yeah. League. But, yeah. I, you know, you understand why Jon Stewart, uh, well, and the same reason I hope Jon Stewart is, is eventually a big part of the Murderverse if they get to Greenland, like they say. Uh, I think it makes sense if you're looking for that black superhero, John Stewart is a natural fit. So, well, it, that's going to be Cyborg, so. Oh yes, I guess we, I, I 
I, I guess there's another thing to point out is the reason you're not going to see any sidekicks in this series is because uh, the Teen Titans um, sort of anime style series launched about the same time. Oh, well, yeah. And there's, think there's, there was Young Justice that followed this by a couple of years. Yeah, um, Young was, Ju- did you watch that show? Because that is a great show. That I would call I, that the spiritual successor. I mean, that is I, a great yeah, show. Exactly. I did do it, and it's the pilot's great. I just never got around to watching more episodes. I've never watched it. Um, I have a friend who yells at me frequently that I need to, so I, it's on my list. Okay, he can but. do what I don't. I don't need to do that then. Yeah, that's yeah. a chance, and it was on Netflix, so I, I highly recommend it. So, yeah. It's, they, unfortunately, Cartoon Network euthanized it, and uh, they had a Green Lantern show running at the same time. And then Green they Lantern, both those to relaunch it for Teen Titans Go. That Green Lantern show um, was perfect. It really was, and I was yeah, with that. Little bit of trivia: the one of the co-creators of that show who helped with the art design on that show was one of my teachers. I'm an animator. Really? Well, that's that's interesting. Guy named. Guy named uh, I can't remember well, his last name, but it's first name is Bulo, which is you know, probably a... Well, but, you were um, talking yeah. about the the CGI in the credits, and that's basic. Green Lantern is basically there's that CGI made into a yeah. show, and it's and it's the the beauty of that is I mean you still have the the Tim style with the you know the very broad shoulders, but the CGI really let them do. I mean the sky was the limit as far as the the ring constructs, which is my one complaint. Um, about the way Green Lantern is used in this series, and you pretty much will only ever see him use um, basically his ring as a magic green BB shooter. It's just firing. Yeah, yeah or, or to generate some sort of shield. Yeah, yeah. so that is, I mean, when you, I, but I, I, it doesn't surprise me that Jon Stewart is the guy that apparently lacks imagination, so. <laughs> I always liked in the, in the um, around the time, uh, I guess John's just writing it, but the way they, when the, the four major lanterns all had like their the way they constructed their stuff, the way they were designed in the comics were John Stewart was like architecture and uh Kyle Rayners was always really arty and Hal was just, you know, cocky stuff. Okay, John Stewart was not the, the Marine Corps part of his backstory was came from this show, right? He was not that was not in the comics beforehand, isn't that what I saw? Yeah, I, I think he was always I thought he was an architect in the comics yeah. before. I, I always, I always remembered him as an architect, and then suddenly he was a, all, all of a sudden he was an ex-marine. So I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe it was something where he, where it was always there, and they just kind of ignored it, and then they re-remembered it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I believe, I believe Guy Gardner, his constructs are always like half-formed, and they're just they're yeah. they're big bludgeons of rage. Um, <laughs> because he's the best player. <laughs> yeah, he is. I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a J, I'm an unrepentant. That, I just remember the one other DC thing I, I read at the time was uh, quite a bit of JLI from friends of mine who read it. Oh, JLI yeah, was terrific. JLI was yeah. always always kind of secretly my Justice League, you know, <laughs> the, the, the loser Justice League full of like also ran, you know, was always yeah. kind of the one I, I gravitated yep. to. One punch, man. One punch. One punch. <laughs> and the blue <laughs> and gold. Yeah. Well. God. Anyway, where is Yeah, well, um, we come back from the credits and we see Batman investigating a laboratory full of three scientists. Yeah, oh, and wrote down, uh, Batman has to break into his own facility because it's a Wayne <laughs> Enterprises facility. Yeah, and I love that the, 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 the one scientist who's not, uh, you know, a secret alien, spoilers, 
it, it's some guy who looks like a low rent Baxter Stockman. You know, he's like, hey, <laughs> yes. Like it's just, it's like five years earlier he would have had a Baxter Stockman moment instead of just the minor moment he has now. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, well, and then um, he sees the aliens putting some kind of black goo into some kind of massive radar dish. Yeah, um, very. And then he is like the whole. He, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go on. I was just saying the whole, the whole, that whole construct. If uh, if you watch, ever watched a lot of old Doctor Who, it reminds me of where the fourth Doctor like died. It's like this weird high, like awkward device. Or you talking? About, I'm talking about the, the actual the, the full building after Superman shows up. So maybe I don't know if, we're, if they're in that part yet. Cause, you know, Lord knows when I watch this, I was also watching a child. So I might have. <laughs> All right. Well, and and then Batman attempts to stop them from blowing up the dish, and uh, Superman intervenes to, or tries to help out and fails spectacularly uh, <laughs> when he's hit by some kind of psychic attack that uh, leads to him collapsing like Jean Grey in an episode of the X-Men cartoon. <laughs> so, she should, yeah, should have just offered a very half-hearted, Scott! <laughs> nice. Oh, my God. Yeah, so basically Superman Superman comes off kind of chump in this first game, which I guess, you know, par for the course for the 90s because everyone still loves Batman so very much. Well, and I have to say, this is where I was going to make my first Batman v Superman reference. I like that there's some good-natured ribbing between the two of them, Batman definitely making it clear, like, oh, yeah, thanks for the help. But there is not... There's not the pronounced and overdone, I mean, for lack of a better term, dick measuring contest yeah. that has been a staple of all the Batman-Superman interactions, oh, not just, but well, even in the comics know, nowadays. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, because this is really the first scene where I wasn't sure what was going to happen when Superman gives Batman the signal watch. Oh, I yeah. was, like, half sure he was going to, like, like break it or throw it away. Throw so it away. Was I. Yeah. I, was, I literally was and, already writing in my notes, Batman is throwing away a perfectly good communication with Superman, and then he didn't. <laughs> nope. You know, it yeah, really he, I, I think that's, I that's was after the fact. So yeah. So I blame Frank you know, what, we, what we've established here is that Batman and Superman are, in this case, adults. Yes. <laughs> well, and, and to give them, to be fair, this is not their first meeting in this universe, although Justice League even though it clearly continues from the continuity of Batman and Superman, the animated series, it tries not to reference that continuity so as to keep it kind of episodic. Um, yeah. But even, first of all, even in Superman TAS, when they do have their initial meeting in what is still the only Batman-Superman movie you'll ever need, you can get the three episodes as one movie, the Batman, I think it's just the Batman-Superman movie is what it's called, and it involves an absolutely delightful Lex Luthor and Joker team-up um, I highly recommend it if you don't watch any of the rest of Superman, the animated series. Um, and there is a bit of a, of a dick measuring contest that happens in that arc, but it's not Batman and Superman. They kind of respect each other right off the bat, um, although it takes them a little while to get to actually working together. There is a dick measuring contest between Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent, where Bruce is taking out Lois Lane and and basically putting the full display of his wealth on uh, and basically stunting on Clark Kent. And then it's revealed at the end that the entire time Bruce was only doing that because he was the one guy in the world smart enough to say, hey, 
Superman is always helping Lois Lane and Clark Kent is never there. So Batman has figured out all very early on that Clark Kent is Superman. That actually sounds great. And that's a blink again. It's it's really wonderful. It's it's everything. And the scene also kind of sets up like later on in the series, like the one source of, I feel sort of tension between the two of them is that, you know, Superman always kind of, it's almost like kind of, he knows he's the biggest, he's the strongest. He's the, and he just kind of, I don't want to say condescension, but it's like, Oh yeah, you know, here I can come help you. And in Batman, I feel kind of think Superman's like, not, you know, he, he, he's, you know, he's all sledgehammer and no scalpel. Like he, you know, he has not sort of, you know, honed himself combat wise and things like that because he just sort of leans on the fact that he's invulnerable. Yeah, which I mean, you naturally would in those situations. Yeah. So, yeah, and I think Batman's entire point is proven. You know, two seconds in, when Superman is hit by a telepathic attack, you know, his his yeah. powers give him great strength, but it leaves him vulnerable to things that Batman is not vulnerable to. Uh, and then we move on. From that initial meeting between the two, Superman mentions he's got something he needs to do. And we move on to my favorite part of this episode, which is that Bruce Tim clearly watched Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, yeah, and was like, yeah. you know what? I have to do this right. And so we have <laughs> Superman at the United Nations talking about how he's going to take all of the world's nukes. Well, no, actually, Jay Carter Allen, uh, or yeah. Jay Allen Carter, nominates him to do this, and he accepts. Right. Which, 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 what I wrote down is like an entire Superman arc slash movie condensed into four minutes. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and and I think <laughs> the classic, the classic that's you know like a UN that is way more concerned about weapons of mass destruction than any real UN seems to ever have been because well they've got a Superman that can actually stop it. Yes, the, imagine a world. I mean, the United Nations in the superhero universe is that's an underutilized thing because um, I def, and when you, when they are mentioned, it's usually in the reference of like a Marvel Civil War type thing where they're trying to impose yeah. registration stuff. But actually, in a world where you have a Superman and the world's governments could just vote and be like, "Hey, Superman, could you take care of this problem for us?" That's actually a brilliant way to use the United Nations. So. Yeah, a lot more teeth and sitting against blue helmeted soldiers. Yeah. Well, when we get down into the and you know I'm I'm I don't know why I'm assuming we will, but I hope we will. When we get into the JLU seasons, there's some great arcs just about the you know that that the the Justice League has such power and you know Earth governments are kind of started waking up to that and kind of you know starting to take those those fail-safe measures, like, what are we going to do if these, these guys just decide to take us over? So. Yeah. The, well, and, and I like... And one thing I like about that, and that we do get to it, is that there's a very clear um, catalyst for that, and it's the, you know, it's the Justice Lord scenario where yeah. the Justice League, a version of the Justice League actually tries that, and that's what gives them the idea. I like that it's it's not the Snyder cynicism where that is the default reaction of, of half the population from the very beginning is we have to do something about these people who have done nothing but help us. Um, so yeah. I like that it's, it's not just unwarranted cynicism that leads to that response. There's an actual, it's an actual, uh, and it makes the villain more sympathetic in that scenario because you actually yeah, kind of un- understand Waller throughout the entire process. 
Yeah, and it's also kind of a, a running th- theme of a lot of times they will do those sort of cataclysmic what-if worlds, and inevitably what, you know, those result from one of the Justice League being taken off the board, you know. One is, you know, the, the one you're talking about, the, the Flash in that universe is killed by Lex Luthor. And then, you know, that's the result. And then there's a couple other episodes where, you know, similarly w- one member of the Justice League is somehow erased and then, hey, what happens down the timeline? Yeah, which that, that's, so. that's also one of, one of my favorite episodes is uh, Hereafter, which it, it turns out, that's another thing you see a lot of, the villains in this series are very, they're very much open to redemption. Um, you know, in in the one in uh in hereafter, I mean it's it's a result of Vandal Savage basically sitting alone in his room for thirty thousand years, but <laughs> but he is redeemed in the end. I I can be honest, I don't remember that episode, so I will have to comment on that yeah, when we get there, but I'm looking yeah, forward to yeah, it. Yeah, we'll have to have to wait till we get there. I guess if we want to get back to the episode, uh, before I forget, um, I was yes. very excited by the appearance of Snapper Carr, you know, who, who in yes. my mind is, as a Marvel guy, I'm like, oh, he's DC's Rick Jones, you know, like just the universal <laughs> side Like, I was very excited that Snapper Carr had a, had a role in this. Yeah, that's, that's a good, I mean, that, they really touch almost every bit of the, the, just the absolute love for the entire minutia of the DC universe is what, really what defines the show. Um, yeah. Well, and it's not to not to continually beat a dead horse, but it's that's the my number one problem with the DC cinematic universe is that it's a universe that's very much driven by the I, their default position is that Superman is lame, so how can we make him cool? And their default position is, well, people would never actually buy that Batman wouldn't kill, so we have to work from a point where he does and then walk that back. So, I, yeah. whereas the show, the show has just embraced the, yes, this is what these characters are and this is what's great about them. And I think yeah. that's why you get a much better project or product. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I, I think what you're saying about, you know, why these characters don't kill, that's part of why I'm sure they work a lot of redemptive arcs for the various villains into it. So, you know, the, you don't, you can't just kill these people because, you know, even in a world where we've got superheroes who might need the idea of a supervillain to, to get us out of a jam. So. I, I, I would say, and I've actually done my damnedest to actually avoid watching the Snyder Batman movies, <laughs> like really, and Superman movies, I mean, Superman and Batman movies. But from every account, I, it seems like, He's coming from an idea that every superhero has to be taught not to kill, and that just seems really weird to me. Well, the 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 quote that that made me most mad was he literally said, "We had to show him killing Zod so that he could decide that he doesn't want to kill because quote his aversion to killing was unexplained, which I never realized is a thing you had to explain. Yeah, uh, um, <laughs> like I don't yeah, ever come up." To no one's ever come up to me and like, hey, can you explain why you don't murder people on a daily basis? Because a very I don't strange thing. your aversion I'm, to killing is just unexplained. Yeah, it's very confusing. Why, why, like, why aren't you just murdering? Like, anyone's yeah, smaller exactly. than you at any given time. Like, I, I, the, the fact that Clark Kent is, is raised as the ultimate Kansas City moral farm boy, why, 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 why isn't that enough that he was raised by, raised by loving parents who 
taught him right from wrong. And well, to be fair, up saying, "Hey, yeah, killing is bad." <laughs> well, to be fair, in those in those movies, um, the the biggest advice that Jonathan Kent gives to Clark is to let people die. So I guess I understand That's why. True. Why they felt that they needed to explain this particular Superman's aversion to killing? Because that's, certainly that's his father was, had no objections to letting people die. And they so. kind of dug themselves into a plot hole there, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's no so. reason, there's no reason that Superman raised this way wouldn't kill. So. Yeah. So, <laughs> anywho, so then we get to uh, I believe oh, we have Batman. Oh yeah, he. he uh, that's he shows right. up and says, like, I'm the fastest man on Earth, but even I can't be in five places at once. And yes, it's, yeah, it's, it's a flash cameo. I, I want to reiterate, he's faster than Superman. That's the end of the story. The fastest man yes. on Earth, you could always be Superman. I have never been a fan of stories where Superman is able to, to be faster than Flash because it, it really leads to then, why do you need a Flash? Yeah, so, you know, I... If yeah. I remember correctly, uh, I can't remember who it might have. It might have been in the Johns run. It may have been earlier. It might have been in the Wade run. But at, at, I think it was. I, no, I think it was in the Johns run because I think it's Barry Allen. I, like someone asked him about like when he says it's a fast man Earth, and he says, "Well, what about all those races of Superman?" And he says, "Those are for charity," you know. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I think it's a great line because I think the Flash has to be faster than anyone. Like like that's yeah. definitely he's got to be the yeah. fastest man alive. Yeah, like, it it like, it's kind of ridiculous. Superman can't do everything everyone does. Like, you know, it, it just doesn't, doesn't, it, it does make the Flash worthless. Like, hey, I'm really yeah. fast, but you could probably just call Superman because he's way faster. Yeah. So we get our, we get our, our Wally West cameo, and then we again have Batman in a deserted uh, warehouse, um, and he finds the invasion of the body snatchers. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Kind of mixed with aliens. Like it's like the, it kind of reminds me of the in, in the movie in Aliens when they're like the please kill me you know there's yeah. a little bit of that but yeah it's, it's very and we go right into one of my favorite Batman traditions that dates all the way back to the first years of Batman where he fights dogs you know yes this, oh, yeah. Batman fighting dogs is a long and the the one of I remember I got back into Batman because of the, of the Batman movie one of the first comics I bought was uh, part of the Dark Knight Dark City storyline. Where yes. he had to fight had to fight pit bulls, <laughs> and I was like, ah, Batman fighting dogs, like putting Dark Knight, Dark City. I think is one of the most underrated uh, arcs in in the history of the character. Um, it's also oh, it's, it's a great story. One of the better Riddler arcs, although he acts quite a bit out of character. Um, yeah. And it also has my favorite revelation is that in the DC continuity, uh, Thomas Jefferson was a literal Satanist. So yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I um, no, just and, like and, and it's and surprise, surprise, Grant Morrison brought that back. You know, <laughs> well, yeah, well, once Grant Morrison, once you introduce something weird into the continuity, Grant Morrison will find a way. Yeah, I mean, uh, he made he made the Batman of Zura and Ah the entire focal point of his biggest Batman arc. So, and he managed to get Batmite in, which I thought was yes. <laughs> yes. in a way that works for me. You know, I but uh, I actually. Uh, but the weirdest thing about Dark Knight, Dark City, is I I got the first two issues of that arc. It's a three-story arc. I did not read the end for 15 or 20 years. Really? It was a frustrating thing. In the back of my mind, I had, I missed that up issue. I didn't have a local comic shop at the time to get back issues, and I never I never got the issue until much later. And like 
I finally read it and got the end, I'm like, oh, thank God. That's like a little bit of closure in my life that I just never that is where That is where comiXology is just the best service in the world. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where, and I mean, if you watch, they will do, I mean, they will do sales fairly, fairly regularly. Just yesterday yeah. was was Batman Day, and I've, I had already bought all of the Batman stories that they had on sale, but they will offer ridiculous deals. And I, I grabbed Dark Knight, Dark City, I think, for two bucks one time the entire run and, and read it. Yeah. Um, what I ended with for like the fifteen or twenty years of my life, I ended with the last page of of that of the issue of Batman holding a scalpel, and it's called a tracheotomy. You know, yes. like, you know how to do it. Do it. Yes, where he, was, yeah, where, he, where it ended. I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a with Batman right about to about to cut a baby's throat open. Yeah, yeah. It, so that was a that was not that was not a good ending for me to end in that arc on for years. It was, well, Dark Knight, Dark City was one of the first to start a thing that I really like, and it's something that Scott Snyder, um, the current Batman writer, and in my opinion, uh, no joke, the best Batman writer of all time, uh, what he's doing in his current run, where Gotham City is itself kind of a character, and it's a very, there is almost something menacing and dark underneath the city itself. Um which is a little more paranormal than a lot of people like to get about it, but I don't know. I kind of like it as an explanation for why it just always seems like such an oppressive place. And there's shades of that in, pre, in earlier writers. Yeah, there's been that, obviously. And the Morrison one definitely has a little bit of that, too, because, you know, the whole weird Wayne tradition and, like, all that crap is the time travel and everything. I, it's very yeah. hard to summarize Grant Morrison in more than a sentence, <laughs> less than a sentence, so I'm glossing yeah. it over, but... Like, but I, I actually do like Gotham as a character too because it's 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 unnaturally strange that Batman, as capable as he is, that Gotham is still as bad as he is without yeah. there being, you know. Although one thing I always wondered about, they don't they always refer to Bloodhaven as being like ten times worse than Gotham, and I'm like, how I, do people even live there? <laughs> I think one of the funniest, well, like the, the that most, seems like the, a place you're just murdered at the city limits. The working. The theory that I always like about Gotham is when people... Someone explained it to me in that, like, if you're in Gotham walking down the street, your odds of being mugged are astronomically small at this point. Right, yeah. Um, Yeah. Because overall, like, street crime in that city has been basically defeated. Now, if you go to Gotham's second national bank on the second day of the second week of February, you (laughs) might have... Yeah, you might have some issues, but yeah, in general, uh, overall, or, or yeah. if you happen, you know, don't go to the Natural History Museum's um, exhibit on famous, um, you know, comedians through history. I guess, but yeah. Yeah. overall, uh, you're, you know, you're, also you're never the, use the toilet because Killer Croc might just reach up yeah. and grab you down. Yeah, yeah so the average, but the average citizen is is safer there until you know super crime yeah, happens, right. but. And I, Whereas, I have to say, just I think the worst job in the world, the most stressful job in the world, has to be a museum curator in Gotham. It's really good. Yeah. It's 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 come up with. yeah. You've got to go through all the angles. It's like, okay, is there any way this is a joke? Is there any way this is a riddle? Does this involve any sort of duality? Does this involve cats? Does this involve, like, you have to go down the checklist to make sure everything is crossed off. There's, no, there's nothing involving birds. Like, there's got to be yeah. like, and, and even and then, then you, you, you think abacus or something, and then there's a new guy. Oh, and it comes on the Ice Age? No thanks. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Nope. 
And the, not the second worst job has to be uh, zookeeper because somebody's always stealing their theme yeah. animals. You know, we we're oh, all yeah. the goddamn hyenas. <laughs> well, and I think, every month they got to get new hyenas. Well, actually, I think the the worst job after that uh, would be whoever maintains the um, abandoned amusement parks um, yeah. and is constantly trying to up them for resale. Oh um, my god! Yeah, yeah that no, guy. Yeah, I mean, well, literally every time keep... you go to check. Yeah, well, at some point, they're killing you. Think there's actually a... even has an arboretum, or do you think they're just like, no, this is just too. <laughs> there's just no point. We know yeah. what's going to happen here. Everyone's going to show up on opening day and be strangled to death by trees. Well, it's uh, the uh, the other joke you were you were talking about Bloodhaven, but one of my uh, one of my favorite things I've ever read is that the question is based out of Hub City, which is universally considered the worst city in the DC universe. And I, I can't remember, I think it was Wikipedia like, and in quotation mark it was like it has been compared to East St. Louis. <laughs> and I was like, I love that in the, out of in the DC universe with all of these terrible towns with like literally haunted cities full of super villains, the worst place you could possibly be would still be East St. Louis. <laughs> I always thought of Bloodhaven as kind of Gotham's Gary, Indiana. This is awful. Like, yeah. No, yeah. all of the, and, and if we could all of the crime, none one. of the charm. <laughs> Well, like, and, and, has like the architecture, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's that's great. Anywho, so Batman's in an abandoned warehouse. He finds the pod he people, the dog, and then he they decide to get the Resident Evil shit, where the dogs t- suddenly turn into like monster dogs. Of course. And, uh, and then he he finally uses the watch. Yeah, he gets his ass kicked and, and uses the watch. Superman that, that's comes. That's the other thing I love. He immediately uses that like. Yeah. It's not like he's like a last resort. resort. He's just like, hey, these are like super dogs. I have to call Superman. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Superman, so Superman rescues him, flies him to a paramedic. Uh, yeah, and he's got like a nice with that, you know, the, the holy Batman draped across Superman's arms, you know, which but Superman's yeah. usually the Christ figure, so I was kind of happy to see that, uh, you know, someone switched up the imagery there. Yeah, and, and then... And then the, the paramedic the War of the World starts. I yeah, yeah. I, I, were you just about to say you love the bit where the paramedic goes to take the mask off, and up until that <laughs> point, a completely a completely comatose Batman says, "Don't even think about it." Love yeah. it. Love Kevin yeah. Conroy's delivery on that, as I love Kevin Conroy's delivery on almost everything. But like that's just such a great moment. And it and is. oh, and when the War of the Worlds did first crash, I got to say that the the, the All Star Superman fan in me, like immediately for just a second, I was like, "Is this going to be Solaris, the Tyrant's son?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's like this orange meteorite just crashes into the earth. Yeah. Like, literally, yeah, in a second, I got like, oh, it's Solaris. You know, for all of the continuity that they scratch in this show, I think Solaris, the tyrant's son, is still just a little bit a bridge too far. Uh, that's great. <laughs> and, um, and then and we get, with, with, on the reporting, we get Snapper Carr actually doing one of his famous snaps to get someone's attention, which I thought was, uh, yeah. that, was some, that was some serious continuity gifts. Well, and then we have um, something straight out of H.G. Wells. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, just, oh, yeah, straight up. Um, the, you have a giant um, three-tentacled alien laser beam shooter. Does deliver lines from War, War of the Worlds in this? Because it seems kind of like 
Because, I mean, that's kind of the setup of War of the Worlds is that the guy is reporting from there. And I thought he's, like, when he's talking about the thing rising out of the crater, I, I you know, I, I haven't read it, it in forever. It might actually but, from, like, the Orson Welles version. It might yeah. have actually been some lines from that. Yeah, you know, it, I, 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 I can believe that. Yeah, for we'll sure. the research staff look that up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll add that to the notes at the end of the show. Yeah. yeah. The unpaid. The unpaid oh, yeah, interns, we'll get on that. We should actually send a call out for unpaid interns also. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we could find somebody. The internet is wonderful then, in that way. And then we, so basically we have Batman and Superman versus these tripods now, because I, you know, I don't think anyone else has shown up yet. I mean, running like a thread through this has been, I, like, people like, you see Diana, I think everyone talks about this. Whoa. Hello? Oh, God. Hello? Yes, oh, I'm still Lord. here. I dropped my phone. I, are, are we? Oh, are okay. we? Are we? I mean, I didn't drop my phone. I'm using a... Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Can you hear us? Okay. I'm clearly using an advanced headset and microphone. uh, Destroyed by the tripod that rose out of the crater. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So anyway, tripod's firing on the crowd. Batman and Superman say... Batman may hate guns, but he does love missiles. (laughs) Yes. That's what I wrote. Batwing is a military jet. Yeah, it's it's the weirdest thing. Like, Batman... Always has a problem with guns until it's actually on a on a vehicle. Then it's completely fine. Yeah, that's yeah, that's and, okay. And I will say, I do not agree with the depiction of that the idea that Superman is just a dumb, long-haired muscle guy. You know, that's a that's a Lex Luthor style slur. But um, yeah. he's not very bright in the way he fights these things. Like it, when when a guy is pointing a gun at you, you don't attack the barrel of the gun. <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> open, go around the back. Pull open the eye of this, you know, this, this thing shoots out of what looks like an eyeball, and he keeps running yeah. to bat and getting shot by it. Super it. Slow down. There, there are literally three or four other major targets you could pick on this, other than the one part that is shooting like red yeah, hot uh, Like maybe, <laughs> maybe the giant, long, thin legs. Yeah, you pick <laughs> that. <laughs> when the only tool you have is an invulnerable Kryptonian body, everything looks like a nail. Okay. <laughs> I just, I would have loved to see one of them go down like one of the walkers, you know. <laughs> well, and to be fair, well, Superman will remain. Superman will remain kind of dense throughout the entire show because there are a lot of fights that op- that the opening act of the fight is Superman getting hit with a giant laser beam of some sort and basically being incapacitated in order for the script to allow everyone else to have something to do because the entire time you're usually like, wait, why doesn't Superman just take care of this in two seconds? <laughs> yeah, that's true. You got well, oh, did well, a lot of this, a lot of stories, even in the past in comics. A lot of it is well, we got to get rid of Superman first so he can tell this story because Superman just solved it. You know, so all, we'll, all we'll, I can we'll say is you out. guys are really gonna like Hereafter. <laughs> oh, okay. I will, well, we take your word for it. We believe you. All right, man. I believe you. And then I so. think at this point, at some point, at some point, like I said, is this where the military shows up? <laughs> Yeah, the military shows up about now, and I, I have to say this is a, this would have been a perfect uh, good spot for a, for like a Black Hawk cameo. You know, yeah. New Frontier would have taken advantage of that. You know, well, what I wrote down is that the the general when when the military's weapons prove to be ineffective, the general says he refers to Superman and he says we would do whatever, but he took he got rid of all our big missiles. <laughs> <laughs> I just like that's what it, the way he refers to it. Number one, he calls them big missiles. Number two, he was ready to use new, to just unleash nuclear weapons. You know, despite the fact that we haven't evacuated the city yet, <laughs> we had to destroy the Earth in order to save it. 
Well, yeah. action movie oh, or superhero movie cliche number one is that if there's a threat anywhere inside an urban area, the military resorts to nukes immediately. I mean, in Batman vs. Superman, they don't even hesitate whatsoever. It's like, oh, shit, there's a doomsday in Metropolis. Nuke now. And every, even when they're like, but that'll kill Superman, too. The general is like, good, let's do it. Take them both down. Yeah. Two birds with a stone. That'll do something. As, One like I, I, I think, I think around this point, somewhere around this point, we get we go to Sinaskyra and we see, um, you know, Diana being the human, you know, domestic work is doomed, and and Hippolyta just blowing her off like, screw him, you know, which I think is a pretty good attitude to have about humanity at any time. Yes. You know, this year more than ever, yes, I don't blame I mean, someone in the sky is going, uh, <laughs> looking at this year and going, well, thank God the gods are watching us. Yeah. <laughs> Man, man's world can really get fucked this time. Yeah. And Anyways, I so guess, then Superman has another but, telepathic attack somewhere in this, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. This is, I, I, that's what I think is next. And then he, he, looks like, he looks like he's being mind-controlled. He suddenly just goes like, completely blank, and I think Snapper Carr is there, you know, at that point, and he's like, Superman, Superman, and he just flies off, and I mean, I was thinking, okay, one of the Martians somehow controlled him, you know, because he's, you know, like... Yeah, that, that was what I was thinking, too, uh, and I think this is also where he, he talks about the big missiles, because the, the general's like, oh, <laughs> Superman has abandoned us. Curse <laughs> you, Superman! Oh, Superman! Caused me so much trouble. Yeah, but then like basically Batman, I guess, goes to follow Superman for some reason. I guess because he wasn't really accomplishing anything against them anyway. Yeah. Well, I like how he's like, uh, I like Superman starting to rip through a government laboratory, um, and Batman's like, destroying government property is not your thing. What's up here? And which makes me laugh because destroying government property is absolutely Batman's thing. Because you're like, like, what are you? You're stepping on my on my bit here. Yeah, Come on. you can yeah. you can tell he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. If, if you wanted to blow up a government installation, I have a list. This doesn't even crack the top kick. So I like that they don't fight. Or, yeah, you know, he's just like, come here, I'll show you. The, the Batman even, I mean, basically throws a warning shot. Not that it's necessary. Like if he'd hit Superman with the battering, <laughs> I, 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 I guess he just didn't want to make him mad. I think it was more just to get in, like, get in his peripheral vision to let him know he was there. <laughs> well, like, yep. hey, hey. So, yeah. you know, yeah. he doesn't have to go and tap him on the shoulder. <laughs> and so we end up, uh, Superman ends up tearing open the, the, the vault, and we're in this room where we see, if you're a comics reader, a fairly familiar form, you know, of the, uh, the, the actual look of a Martian, according to the DC world. And, uh, yes, the... And the very long, long pointy-headed long version. With, yeah, yep. with with the, the the very dark red, like hooded red eyes. They're all evil and angry. And yeah, you know, basically, you know, super, we find out that all these things were not attacks on Superman. They were attempts to communicate with him. Which I thought, which was a nice twist for me. I yeah, I, I did too. I, yeah, I no, like, that's definitely. actually a pretty. Oh, and, and it turns out uh, there's a Martian whose name's John Jones. <laughs> it's spelled differently, so it's okay. Um, <laughs> on Mars, we spell those words differently. <laughs> on Mars, we, Mars, we have a positive. 
Yeah, it kind of bothered me that the 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 closed caption on mine um, uh, had it literally spelled it as Jones. Like I was like, "Come on, you can't even get the caption right." So I mean, um, he he does disguise himself as John Jones later, but you know, I I have to say in the the comic, I have to say this exchange is a little weird because the Martian Manhunter is talking to them both telepathically and saying he came to warn them of the alien invasion, and Batman, of course, naturally is is giving him the stone face the entire time. Um, well, he, he does, Batman does do like a double take, though, the first time when he communicates with him. Yes, it, which yeah, is good, because you know, how much he hates yeah. to, you, you know how much he exactly. hates to acknowledge being surprised by anything. Um, right. And also, he won't shake John Jones's hand, which makes me think maybe he's just a little racist. Just a little. Yeah. <laughs> I, I and then Superman says, oh, that's okay, he hates all racists. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't trust. He doesn't trust anybody, which is uh, amusing. He's an equal opportunity uh, offender. He's like self. Yeah, you know, he um, doesn't Well, and then I guess cracks I... me up. Where one thing that I thought was kind of funny is uh, when John says, "Oh, you don't trust me? Perhaps this will help." And then he kind of morphs into the more traditional um, yeah. Martian <laughs> manhunter costume, and I'm like, "It's so creepy and weird." But to which he's like, "I'm like, how is that supposed to help? Like, oh, you don't like me and my." In my true Martian form, what if I, I square off my forehead a little bit and add a cape? Yes, I think that's pretty sharp, I think. What if I'm shirtless with yeah. suspenders? What if, will that be less creepy? You might as well have been like, oh, you don't trust me? Here, let me put on my Martian Manhunter costume. You've read the comics, right? <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, I have to say one thing that bothers, like, I love the Martian Manhunter, but one thing that has always, the power that bothers me is the intangibility thing. Because how, how can you capture, a, keep a guy, hold him when he can become intangible at will? Presumably yeah, some kind of, presumably some kind of phase inhibitor that, present, that prevents his powers from actually... Because, because the tech, field. I, I, As always, the well, answer is technobabble. So, yes, right. I, I, I sort of watched ahead to watch the rest of Secret Origins because... As much as I love this series, I had never seen Secret Origins, so it was kind of nice. But I, I was just like, there's several points where I'm just like, well, dude, just phase. What the hell? Yeah. So it's, it's well, not Martian Manhunter. It's just it's a power I don't really like. Yeah. It's, well, it's it, it. I think the problem is it's a power that is fine if that's his only power. But if you actually look at Martian Manhunter's power set, he's like Superman, but also he can phase. Yeah. You know. I mean, yes, his vulnerability and change shape. Yeah, that's why one yeah. of the things that I liked there was a con because um, Lord knows I root on every Martian Manhunter solo series very hard, including the most recent one, which was really good but got pulled after twelve issues, and gave a whole new excellent origin story for him that involved a phrase that I will never stop saying: "Ancient Martian blood magic," um, <laughs> which is the name of my metal band now. Um, <laughs> It also included him fighting something called the Martian Man Eater. So, wow. Um, anyways, I love comic books sometimes. <laughs> I, 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 I highly recommend. It's just 12 I, I, issues. It's, it's, it's two I volumes. I have a question for you, though. What's that? Does the, is, so, does the Martian Man Eater, is this a Martian that just eats human men, or does he eat Martian men? Uh, he eats some Martians in between, but mostly humans are his prey. I won't even Excellent. begin to, I can't really explain in a couple sentences exactly what the plot 
of that Mars and Manhunter series is. It's one of the most refresh, refreshingly weird comics that I've read in years. It was just absolutely delightful. But long story short, in the simplest way to explain it, the Martian Manhunter was actually, or John was actually sent here as a weapon that could be used to bring Mars back to life at the expense of destroying all life on Earth. And he was so driven insane by knowing what, that this was his destiny, he actually split himself into like 12 different personalities to try to prevent them from using him that way. Um, it's re- it's really good and it's really weird. Wait, it's isn't that, very isn't hard that to explain. the end of Indiana Jones and the last and the and the Crystal Skull? Uh, okay. I don't know. I wasn't dumb enough to watch that. Um, I didn't say I paid for it, but I did watch it out of curiosity. I watched it. Just, it, it was terrible. My reputation in some quarters, I was burned badly enough by the Star Wars prequels that an Indiana Jones sequel was not at all something I was interested in. You. Uh, well, you're no. gonna you're gonna love Batman versus Superman versus Indiana Jones when it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but anyways, the the '90s uh, Ostrander solo book of Martian Manhunter actually kind of took the fact that he really is as strong as Superman in a lot of ways, and kind of wrote this story where um, he is as famous to the rest of the world as Superman is in the United States. He kind of goes around saving people that, um, well, that Superman doesn't because, I don't know, the, the, the subtle implication of the book is that Superman is like the epitome of white privilege. So Superman <laughs> is a jingoist. It's it's truth, justice in the American way for a reason. Sorry, poor That's Latin right. American people. I did, but don't actually to go John back, Johns will save you. To go back on but, that concept, actually, I did like in this episode when Superman was talking to the United States, the United Nations, he said truth, justice, and Basically, just for the whole world. So, yeah, because Lord knows, if I remember correctly, didn't this show kind of come out around the time of? Uh, let's see. It, it came out in two thousand and one. Yeah, around the same I'm time. Sorry, this, yeah, yeah, it came sorry. out originally released on November seventeenth, two thousand one. So that was not a that was not necessarily the best time to be globalist. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, the U.S. television show. So I, you know, nice to hear. I mean, I'm sure they. I'm sure that was made, you know, that line was made ages before, you know, the September 11th attack, but it still, it came out afterwards and they didn't change it. So that's that's a nice, that's actually a nice little piece of uh, internationalism from a Superman that, like, in the 80s, definitely often was kind of, like, presented as the American stooge, even even if it wasn't intentional. Yeah, well, unfortunately, that... The the Dark Knight Returns Frank Miller version of Superman really infected the character for just the longest uh, time. The worst. So, <laughs> oh, I was yeah. wondering when Frank Miller was going to come up. Yeah, I was. I, I, I mentioned him in passing, but thankfully no one noticed because I, I I was like, "Thank you, Frank Miller," which is pretty much what I mutter about every time Superman's done poorly or Batman's <laughs> poorly. You know, I'm speaking of very good Batman that is not Frank Miller. Like, I avoided. I avoided the new All-Star Batman forever because I didn't realize it was a, a new thing. I thought they were just talking about the All-Star Batman and Robin and Miller did. It was awful. Oh, no, no. I, that's why Scott I am Snyder. digging hard. I am digging that one hard. Uh, you, oh, you, right. Have you read the first two? I haven't read issue two yet. It came out this week. Did you I haven't read, read the first issue two either, but I read the first Basically, issue. I haven't read two yet. It's so if you're not familiar with All-Star Batman, at, uh, Chris, it's um, basically... Super. I I, the, I was familiar with the Frank Miller version, but 
Yeah, no, this is totally different thing. Nothing to do. It's written by Scott Snyder, who was the guy who was the the um, author on the main Batman title since 2011, and I, I mean, again, the one I insist is the greatest Batman writer of all time. He even wrote a Batman yeah. origin story called Zero Year that I would put over year one in the pantheon of Batman origin stories. Um, anyways, no, All-Star Batman is basically, um, in one sentence, it's Batman um, kind of doing a Con Air-type thing to get Two-Face to a facility upstate where he can be um, treated so that the Harvey Dent aspect of his personality can give Batman um, a bunch of stuff. Anyways, long story short, mm-hmm. the, mob is, the mob is trying to stop Two-Face from getting there with Batman um, and rolling over on them. And Two-Face himself is trying to stop Batman from transporting him, but he's at war with the Harvey Dent personality that's trying to help this. Uh, and then it's basically just a never-ending ensemble of C-list and D-list Batman villains trying to stop them in order for this massive cash yeah. reward. Uh, the first yeah. issue included included Killer Moth and Firefly fighting together. Um, there was the, the second issue, I haven't read it yet, but I'm told that one of the first, the first two or three issues has KG Beast coming back. So, I think the Gentleman Ghost is in it. Um, yeah, it's, it's Scott. Yeah, Scott Snyder. He, I mean, he he shook out the whole cupboard, and yeah, if anyone is, can pull it, it off, it's him. I think it like I heard someone describe it on Twitter as Batman meets Midnight Run. It's, so, yeah, it's, 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 that's exactly. I was looking for the right movie to, to compare it to. It, it, yeah, it, it, it's funny because it, it, it's something that, honest to God, I've joked on Twitter for years about. I wanted, I want Marvel to give me an imprint that's not in continuity called Marvel Bronze, that's basically set in the Marvel seventies. This is the kind of story I would have wanted. Like, this is exactly what I wanted out of a comic book. <clears throat> it's like got this crazy nineteen. It almost it feels like a crazy like road movie with Batman and Two Face. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I'm run, telling you, if you're enjoying so this. Good. You got to go all the way back to Batman number one from 2011 and read the entire Scott Snyder run on the character. It is the definitive run on the character, as far as I'm concerned. Well, that is that that's some high praise. Right. I, I definitely do. yeah, no, need to catch up on that. Yeah, as, okay. as, I have I I have been reading all my comics lately through my library app, so I'll have to see if that's available. Otherwise, yeah, yeah I, probably. I mean, actually, probably <laughs> Well, I mean, in the entire the entire run now is collected in trade. Um, I believe it's volumes one through nine um, of Batman. Um, and if you, I mean, I know my local library had the first, used to, a couple of years ago, before I just started buying them all, had the first three volumes. But yeah, um, the first two arcs are called The Court of Owls, which are really good. And then there's, he did two different Joker arcs um, that were absolutely fantastic. And then in between, he did um, Zero Year, which was the modern day. Um, the Batman origin story for the 21st century, and it's also the bar none the best Riddler story ever. So um, it's really good. I yeah. I, Riddler's a I, character. I, I would say Riddler's a character I love, but there's, there's not that many good Riddler stories. I love no, the character, but he's another. Yeah, exactly. That's done. that is um, that's something I've said for a long time about the Riddler, and that is um, Zero Year is the most absolutely. It's it's. It's Riddler to the core in that the riddles are there, but it, it's the most legitimately menacing I think he's ever been. And so, like, you, you don't, you buy why he's not just, like, a ridiculous gimmick villain. You buy why he's actually fucking terrifying. So, yeah, I highly recommend, if you read nothing else of the Snyder run, read Zero here. But I, I, the entire run is worth it. And then 
there was also um, his last arc before he left the main Batman title to do Batman or to do All Star Batman. The last arc involved Jim Gordon becoming Batman in a gigantic robotic Batman suit that looked kind of like a bunny rabbit, and that is also I'm it's it's delightfully weird and it's great. Um, the one thing you will the one thing I will say about Scott Snyder's Batman is he is never afraid to take a risk and he goes big every single opportunity. So even when he swings and misses, which is rare, it's still an entertaining story. I will say one of my favorite moments. It's kind of low key, but one of my favorite moments in the, the first issue of All Star is when he looks at the crowd of people and winks at them, which yes. is something Batman probably would not have done in a thousand years of you know like like yeah. I can't I, I can't remember the last time Batman would have winked like somewhere in the early like six, 1966 maybe maybe the yeah. last time you'd ever see a winking Batman in a comic book. There's it's one of the things I like about his Batman is not that he I mean he's he is as I mean he's as very grim and dour as always, but there are um, it, it's a lot like the Nolan Batman in that it really captures the tenderness of his relationship with Alfred. Um, there's actually one issue that dealt with the death of Damien that was very beautiful that like legitimately moved me to tears the way he he handled it. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a Batman that's not overly dour and that has fun being Batman at times. There's and he has some one liners, but yeah, I can't I could derail this entire podcast talking about how much you guys need to read this Scott Snyder run on Batman. It's it's if right. the new fifty for everything else that the new fifty two gave us and most of it was crap outside of the Grant Morrison run on action comics, but um it the entire new fifty two was worth it just to give us five uninterrupted years of Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo doing Batman. It really and well and actually to uh, FCO, um, Placencia, and, and Danny Mickey, the, the the colorists, are amazing, especially if you read Zero Year. Um, and if I need to make one last hard sell for Zero Year, there is an issue <laughs> where where a dirt bike riding Batman who is wearing a t-shirt on which he has spray-painted the Bat logo fights a lion in a deadly coliseum made of rusted-out cars. So right, I'm actually ordering this right now. Uh, all right. <laughs> You've got me. Yeah. I, that, you, that was the, the final sell. I'm, I'm in. Hot, so, yeah. Hot so we can move back. We can go back to Secret Origins. But, yeah, that if, it, if and Scott oh, Snyder, if you, ever, there, guess, if you so. ever do happen to listen to this podcast, I love you. So, anyway. <laughs> anyway. The funny thing so, is, if we go back, I think we've pretty much hit the cliffhanger. Because I yes. think we're now at that point where the yeah, military yeah. shows up. And yes. they all melt into monsters. You know, yeah. After so, we can't yeah the, the aliens are are clearly behind it all. So, and they and John mentions that he came to warn Earth of the invasion, but they captured him first. So you know, um, obviously, pretty much ever since well, obviously ever since the opening scene on Mars. Um, yeah. Yeah. Said and, monsters and been Carter is. Carter has been leading a uh, you know a ploy to get rid of the nuclear weapons on Earth. So yeah, obviously you know, Carter. Yeah. Obviously Carter is your Manchurian candidate. That's that's for sure. Or so. is he? Or, or is he? Interesting. He, like he, he is. I'm just, I, I just kind of like like because I, I watched all three episodes, so that's like revealed like late in the thing, and it's kind of like, well, duh. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Like he he actually shows up to fight them as himself, and. Yeah. It's like, why are you still doing that? <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I was about to say, I, I like in all honesty, 
like long before long before even the cliffhanger. You know, it's like it's, the moment he fell down, saw saw the crazy lights, and then was normal two years later. I was like, yeah. okay, so something's happened to him. Yes. Or yeah, again, I guess it's technically a children's show, so. Yeah, you go when when you go straight from a guy being attacked by something on Mars, and then the next thing you know, he's a politician advocating for eliminating Earth's defenses. It's not very hard of a leap to figure out who your bad guy is. So. Oh, well, right. so I guess I guess we're kind of kind of at the point of wrapping up. I would assume since I, I think we are here. I think that's solid work there, gentlemen. So yeah, right. do we do we want to do like high points, low points, uh, whatever, however you want to do this? We're we're learning, we're learning as we okay. how we're going to do this. I, okay, uh, I think we we kind of did it while we were going through. My high point is that Batman and Superman like each other, <laughs> yeah. and respect each other, and that, that's a pleasant change from from current events. Well, and it's not even—it's not even a begrudging respect. Like, there's a clear working relationship there. So, yes, yeah, that definitely is the high point for me. Um, I also, like I said, I, I really appreciate that the entire catalyst here is clearly the Martian Manhunter bringing everyone together. Um, I like John being the the focal point instead of it just yeah. being kind of a Superman or Batman, because I really don't like. I don't like the, the kind of traditional example where Superman is the great inspiration and everyone just follows him. And I yeah. don't really like the way the movies are going where Batman just has a vague spidey sense that danger is coming and he needs to form a Justice League of some kind. Um, some sort of League of Justice. Well, it's I, I mean, cause that's literally how Batman vs. Superman ends is, is Batman's like, we need to find the others. And Wonder Woman's like, why? And He's basically like, because I just know something's coming because I read the script. Justice League starts filming in like a month. Yeah, so. And so I, yeah, I, I, I do like that, you know, this being the first half hour that it is focused more on Batman and Superman. You know, because because really what it is is, you know, it's those two animated series coming together. So those guys kind of, yeah. you know, get to kick things off. You know, you get right. this last you, 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 know, you get a little Wonder Woman, and you know nothing from Green Lantern and Hawkgirl at this point. Yeah, and yeah, and your 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 one Flash cameo, which was great. So yeah, well, I, I you have to get like you got to look at it from the mindset of where you know like as mu- as much as these characters have been part of my life since the Super Friends, I was super young. You know, like you, you got to treat the new show as hey, not everyone knows who these characters are, but everyone probably yeah. knows Superman and Batman. So let's. Yeah, so I get that, and I like, and I, and I would say I, I, I love. I agree also that that one of the high points is that this is this team is forming around Martian Manhunter in a lot of ways because I always think of him as kind of the soul of the Justice League. Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. He's, he's the one character that like I don't see a Justice League without him. I mean, even JLI had Martian Manhunter. You know, yeah, well, and that's, a bunch of, that was like, one of my. That was one of my biggest objections to the new 52 incarnation of the Justice League is that John never even joined it. Um, right, he, yeah. he was he part of the Justice right? League. He joined the Justice League of America, which in, in the new 52 continuity is Waller's counterpoint to the Justice League. Um, um, yeah, hmm. she kind of specifically puts together um, a Justice League that agrees to you know be beholden to the interests of the United States. Um, and she kind of like likes the people that she's... 
Yeah, so she kind of, uh, like, she recruits Green Arrow specifically as a counterpoint to Batman, and she recruits Martian Manhunter as a counterpoint to Superman, and, and she recruits one of the, the four or five Green Lanterns that are lying around, because, honestly, they're, they're <laughs> really handy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Those rings well, are just sort of strewn about the galaxy. Well, she recruits uh, Simon Baz, who is, who is the, uh, he was the latest Earth Green Lantern. Now we're up to five. Um Hal, oh Guy. We're, we're up to Hal, Guy, Kyle, and then Simon Bass, who's actually a really cool character with a good backstory. Um, and he's a Muslim-American superhero, which is an important thing, um, for sure. And then we also now have Jessica Cruz, who was introduced as the first female Green Lantern. So, I mean, necessary. Um, I honestly think the next step would then be to maybe retire Kyle and Guy for a while, or Kyle and John. Um to kind of clear some of the, that space, but uh, yeah, but I, I don't like a, I don't like a, a, J, or a Justice League that does not have John, you know, kind of it. And I always like that image of John in the Watchtower, since he is kind of yeah. apart from humanity in a way that yeah. Superman, for for all that the the Superman stories lately try to cast him as the loner who's out, he's not. He was raised no, human. He, he had a happy childhood. He is as human as the rest of us. That that used to be the point. Whereas John is yeah. the one that literally, that really is an alien and just chooses yeah. to protect us. So right, he was, I always he was like raised the way he was. He was an adult. He's an adult before he went to Earth. He has his own culture that is 100% different. You know, Superman mm-hmm. knows about Kryptonian culture by, by you know, learning about it. He knows about it yeah. the way I know about German culture. You know, yeah, like my family may have been from Germany, but I've never been there. You know, and he's got the, like I'm an American. He's been Superman, a human being on Earth who happens yeah. to have parents from another, from another planet. And, so, yeah, you know, like, it's definitely a different deal. And, like, you're right. Yeah, he, like, and, and yeah, it's, almost, almost, and, it's almost more yeah. heroic in a sense. That, I mean, he's, yeah. not, he's not defending his world. He's defending a world that he has taken under his wing because he doesn't want to see what happened to his world happen again. So, yeah, I, I agree that. John being the focal point is key, and that you know John always needs to be the one up in the watchtower. So, yeah, and I never got my my very specific high point of this episode is once again just to be clear the appearance of Snapper Car. Okay, <laughs> bar none. Just Snapper Car, I made me so happy. <laughs> you know, as long as Terry Long doesn't show up, I will be even happier. Yes. Does Snapper ever show up again after this? I, I can't remember. I don't. I can't imagine there'd be, there'd be a lot of a lot of they could do with Snapper Car in this incarnation. Well, it, this I mean, I feel like they do throughout the series sort of make use of the the TV talking head thing. Yeah, you know, and, and eventually we are going to get uh, G Glorious Godfrey. So, yeah, and, and didn't um, if I'm not mistaken, isn't um in the uh, what's his name uh, the creeper? What's, what's the actor? What says the, the creeper's real um. Uh, 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 it's uh, Jack Ryder. I like that Jack Ryder is the, like, I don't think he's ever actually in the Arkham games directly, but Jack Ryder is the voice on the radio in the, in the Batman Arkham games. Huh. You know, so huh. it's, it's like a little Easter egg thing. So, you know, maybe he might show up as a talking head at some point. I wouldn't be, I would not be too upset, <laughs> you know. Um but yeah, I, I, I like their use of their talk of the talking head being someone who's part of the DC universe. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and I, as for 
As for low points, um, you know, I guess uh, it, it's a it's a small one, and it's only just based on my foreknowledge of what's coming. But but we do get the first example of of the lazy Superman gets hit by a ray gun and is out yeah. of commission for a while trope, um, which does yeah. become kind of a crutch they rely on throughout the show. So yeah, right, right. That's that, yeah. that is something I wish they would write around better than that, and. That's probably my low point, too. And the very simple fact that he, again, basically dives right into his own, you know. Yes, he, 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 yeah, there's a, whenever they need an idiot plot, Superman is the idiot, so. Which I, I, I find, you know, and I, I find that very, very kind of depressing, but I, you know, like, I mean, it, especially when they're, they're going to have a, you know, a, a, a Wally left very soon, who can obviously, you know, make some mistakes. Yeah, I, I also I find it a little odd that there's absolutely no objection whatsoever vocalized that Superman is just going to disarm us. Like, yeah. like even the general is kind of like he, he kind of gives the glower and the, the grumble, but yeah, nobody like, says, um, you know, maybe we should uh, discuss. Well, it's hilarious. Going on it. That was it's my hilarious. Superman four. Like the, the idea that everyone on Earth would just be completely great. Like, thank God, you finally we found a way to get rid of these nukes. There are plenty of yeah. people that are all about it. It's yeah, hilarious all that, in, having that. that in super in in the DC universe, um, the United Nations apparently has the kind of um, legislative power that your birther uncle believes they have in our right. world, <laughs> where you know the UN could just vote an occupation in the next day, and you'd have like Chinese soldiers on the streets. When actually the UN is little more than you know like an advisory committee. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I thought it was funny because if, if the U.N. tomorrow voted no more nukes, the, the U.S. and Russia and China would just laugh at them. They'd so, well, first of all, they, they didn't do that because all three of them have veto power. Yeah. So every one of them would have yeah. been like, no. <laughs> no, no, no. No, that doesn't work out. Even, even France is going to veto that. Shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, so basically – the United Nations was like, how about we get rid of all the nukes and only one general in the world objected. So Yes. They really should have brought in George Lucas to sort of punch up the governmental part of it. <laughs> yes. You know, so. at the very least, George Lucas would bring us a country full of ETs in the corner of it. You know. Exactly. And a solid committee, because he was, he was strong on committee work. The <laughs> taxation of trade routes to OWA is in dispute. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God, no. I just realized... <laughs> I just realized that it's going to be almost impossible to make a Green Lantern movie that isn't basically like some sort of uh, Phantom Menace related thing with the, with all the lanterns being a, an ineffectual committee. <laughs> uh, like, literally, it will be impossible. Hollywood will not know how to make that movie without doing that. So, well, they did make a Green Lantern movie. Actually, the yeah, it was scenes that they were the scenes that where they were on Oa were the only scenes that worked in that movie before he went back to Earth and fought a smog machine, so... Oh, my God. Well, thank you for terrible. admitting that you're the one who saw that. I, I, saw I was the one. So I, saw, it was I, me. I saw that... I saw the middle, the middle and end of that movie while, like, the day, the day I moved into this, into this house, like, when our cable was turned on, I sat down and that was on and I just watched it and I said, you know, I don't need to see the beginning of this because this is pretty terrible. I'll just leave it running in the background and see if it gets better and it never did. The funny thing about the Green Lantern movie is that, you know, with a lot of the first wave of comic book movies that sucked, and then you got, like, the the Christopher Nolan reboot and the Marvel Universe reboots, 
like the whole, the fix in almost all of those cases was like relying on the actual comics and what has worked in the comics. And the Green Lantern movie script was actually very faithful to Jeff John's secret origin. But the problem is, like, it was too faithful, and it, like, didn't bother to bring the audience in slowly at all to concepts like the Guardians of the Galaxy, or of the universe. Um, Sorry, I almost crossed franchises there. And, uh, like, it was just, like, info dumps exposition number at the beginning. Yes, there are these beings here, and then here's a ring that's powered by willpower here, but then the yellow color is here, here, and blah, 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 and it didn't bother to just slow down and take a tighter yeah. focus. So that yeah, was the case Remember where, Jeff Johns had, Jeff Johns had 35 years of green, 40, 50 years of Green Lantern continuity and readership before he yeah. introduced any of the stuff in that storyline. Yeah. You know, people already so. used to, like, Denort and, uh, you know, other things. They were yeah, used so. with, like tree lanterns and you know you know the planet uh, what is it uh, the gi- the giant planet one Mogo or Mogo how yeah. dare you Mogo. how dare you take a second to question Mogo oh I love I, Mogo I'm just saying I'm yeah. just saying I'm used to it <laughs> you, yeah. know, you, can't throw, you can't throw ideas like that you know oh no, no that, that's that's the the letter when I when I'm on hold with uh, Jeff John's secretary that's uh, the Green Lantern that I most want cast in the reboot is No Go. Yeah. So yeah. that's forget Hal. Forget doing doing a new Hal or John or Guy. Just make Mo the Justice League stars <laughs> Batman, Superman, and Mo Go. Right. <laughs> yeah. The, I think all time. I know about that that actual movie is I, I think I listened to three separate bad movie podcasts and uh, <laughs> whenever whenever all three of them cover the same movie I make a point not to see that movie so I not see that. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that is definitely one that uh it, it, it's one for the ages and I will say this though if they had made it like the first Marvel DC crossover movie and it was Mogo versus Ego the Living Planet that would have been a movie that I would watch a million times over. <laughs> See, I I don't know that it was really worthy of three pot because it. I mean, I watched that movie and it's not. I mean, it's bad, but it's not even. I mean, it, its biggest sin is that it's paint by numbers and it's forgettable. There's nothing you. It's dull as hell. Yeah, there's nothing you watch about that movie and you think, ha ha ha, that's gonna. It's not like watching. Well, that that seemed to be the consensus of these podcasts. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not like watching yeah, even more. like the Ben Affleck Daredevil where you can like have a good time breaking down just how incredibly stupid it is. It's a, movie yeah, you, sure. it's a movie you've forgotten before you've even finished watching it is its main problem. <laughs> yeah, unlike, so. like, let's say, like, X-Men Origins Wolverine. I remember a lot of that movie because it was dumb as fuck. Oh, <laughs> it was yeah. dumb as fuck. And so I, I, I could watch it and go, oh, my God. Oh, yeah, that's right, that helicopter chase. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, Lord, will I am as a teleporter. <laughs> like, it's, it's a lot of... Oh, like, you know, Deadpool with his milestone shit. Oh, <laughs> I remember all of that, you know. Did either of you see the I, new Deadpool by any chance? I, did. I have not seen it I yet. Actually, I actually quite like that one. It, it I did too. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, and, and like I, thought they would, I thought they would make more more meta commentary of jokes about X-Men Virgins Wolverine, but the one gag they did slip in there was pretty great. So It was, yeah, it was, that was barred on like top five laughs I got out of the movie. Yeah, you know, it was pretty funny. Um, so yeah, okay. Well, uh, all right. that's all I've I've got for this week. Are we are we gonna do just weekly? Is that the goal? Bi-weekly? Um, I, I, I mm. can do weekly. That's 
You guys can, I think. I mean, I, oh, well, I have no life, we, so weekly works for me. But how, how about we wrap this up and then we'll discuss that offline? That sounds, sounds like a good idea. That sounds okay. great. So, thank you all uh, for listening to our inaugural episode. Um, this will go up on iTunes. I'll have to like actually grab a domain and also start a web page. But um, maybe you'll see this on HockeyNight.com. <laughs> start. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually um, how I did the, the first episode of our second podcast. I put it on the other podcast website because it was too yeah. easy to. I'm, I'm so, sure uh, you could post this on HockeyNight.com, and the, the the first comment will be some from some random asshole saying that Patrick Kane is innocent until proven guilty. So, oh <laughs> yes, we're gonna deeply we're gonna discuss that deeply next episode. Completely, completely oblivious of actually what we're talking about. That'll just be the the default comment. So, oh yes. All right. Well, I had a good time, so I hope you people did. Now that the goddamn uh, thing won't shut up. Hold on a second. Yeah. No one talked.